You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Jesus said that we should be prepared because if this event could happen at any time. You know, he said to the church that he's building, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you at home. And then I'm going to, when I'm done, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me forever. I'm going to catch you away. And Jesus went on to talk about that this event, that we need to be prepared for it. There's a good chance that at some point in your life, you've prepared for some kind of major event. It might have been a storm coming through or maybe a big change in your life. In today's message, Pastor Dion tells us that in the same way we prepare for those kinds of things, we also need to be prepared for the return of the Lord. We don't know when it's going to happen. Therefore, each and every day, we must live in such a way that we're spiritually ready for when Jesus does come back. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Revelation chapter 4 as he begins his message, Jesus in the Last Days. We're continuing our series called Foundations, where we have been learning the foundation, the foundational Christian truths um, from the Bible. And we've talked about, does God exist? We found out that he does. We talked about the fact that because he exists, um, well, what is he like? And now we've been looking at the person of Jesus. Everybody said out loud, what? The person of Jesus. In fact, we spent a few weeks um, talking about this, at least three so far. But it's because the person of Jesus is so vast. I mean, he's God in the flesh, and we talked about that. But uh, we're going to continue that study, and so let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for sharing yourself with us, not just then, but even today. We thank you for your spirit and your word that gives us illumination, that gives us just a, a real sense of inspiration, Lord, to not only know about you, but to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, guys, as we've been looking at the person of Jesus, a past couple of weeks, I have quoted a verse of Scripture from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. And this is a declaration that Jesus made of himself. And he said, I am the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Can you say those last two words? The what? The Almighty. And so, guys, what we found out is that Jesus is Almighty in those three tenses. Because in the rest of the passage there in Revelation 1, Jesus went on to explain his roles in each of those periods. The hat that he wears in each of those periods, past, present, and future. So Jesus said, I am almighty in past, present, and future. And Jesus also goes on and says, and I have, I had, I've worn some hats. I'm wearing some hats. I wore one in the past. I I wear one in the present, I will wear one in the future. And in fact, we talked about um, how Jesus was almighty in the past as Savior of the world. Said out loud as what? Savior of the world. 
We investigated. We found out that Jesus, the eternal Son of God, who created the world, became flesh. Look at your neighbor and say, he became flesh. He became flesh. God came down, a God in a bod, as we said. And on the cross, while he was in flesh, fulfilled his mission as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And while he was here, he finished that job on the cross. Your and my sins have been paid for. Your forgiveness and my forgiveness has been bought completely. How do I know that? Yeah, it's a good place to applause. How do we know this? Because Jesus on the cross said, it is finished or paid in full. Can you say amen? It's awesome, right? So Jesus finished that job on the cross as being the Savior of the world. Now, when he ascended to his Father after he resurrected, he sat down on the right hand of the right hand of God. Now, guys, we all know that when you sit down means you're done. Everybody look, look at somebody and say, he was done. He was done being the Savior of the world. See, and that's what it illustrated. He sat down. His role of Savior of the world was done. So we can all say Jesus was almighty in the past. Amen? All right, but then we learned that after Jesus ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father, a new time period began, and Jesus assumed a new role. We found out now he is almighty in the present. Say it out loud. What? Almighty in the present. How many of you know Jesus is still alive, right? Awesome. Okay, so we found out that a new time period began, and Jesus is almighty in the present as this, as the head of the church. Now listen to something Jesus said, because what is this church thing? Listen to something Jesus said a week before he died. In Matthew chapter 16, and verse, starting at verse 18, he said, And I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, shall not prevail against it. So what Jesus said is that the family of believers, or the church, that he would build would be built on the revelation and faith of who he is. Now, let me kind of backtrack. When Jesus said these words to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. He wasn't talking, I'm going to build my church on Peter. He was talking about, at that particular time, Jesus had taken the disciples to a specific place where there was a lot of idol worship, and he said, look, in the midst of all of these idols, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they answered, and then he looked at them as disciples and said, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up, and Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are almighty. And that's when Jesus said, that confession, on that confession, I am going to build my church. In other words, the church is built on the confession of who Jesus is. In fact, John said it like this in John chapter 1 and verse 12. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human position or plan, 
but a birth that comes from God. So how we become, how Jesus is building this church is based on everyone who believes and accepts him is becomes part of that family, part of that community of his fellowship. So look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're part of this. Look at that and look at him and tell him that. Now, after Jesus' ascension, you know, he goes up there, he's building his church. After he, his ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit and the church was born. The family of believers was born. And in fact, the book of Acts records the church's first generation, all right? And guys, here's the interesting thing. It has continued. The book of Acts is the only book in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, historical records. The book of Acts is the only one that doesn't end with amen, Matthew, which is the story of Jesus, Mark, Luke, and John, all the story of Jesus, they end with an amen, meaning so be it, meaning it's done, right? But the book of Acts is the only one, which is the first generation church what started, but it does not end with an amen, and that's because it is still ongoing. The church is still ongoing. It's pretty cool. So here's the fact. The church is like an ongoing reality show, all right? And we are this season's characters. So smile, you're on camera. Okay, look at your neighbor and tell them that. Smile, you're on camera. So think about this. Jesus, before he leaves, he said, I am going to build my church, a family of believers. It's going to be built on faith, on the faith of who I am. And those who accept and believe in me, they're going to be part of that church. You guys got that, right? And then he sends, after he ascends, he sends the Holy Spirit, and that church begins to be born. And it begins to grow, and we see the record of it. And it has continued. This reality show, you know, has continued to go on. And now we are the actors or the people in this season's reality show. We're the contestants on the Bible's version of extreme home makeovers, right? Because we're going through transformation. We are now the new characters of the new season of the amazing race, running our race of faith. We are also the new characters of this new season of survivors, so to speak, trying to live a godly life in an ungodly world, right? So look at your neighbor and say, we're, we're the characters. So how are you doing? If you are going under transformation, if you are running your race, if you are trying to live a godly life in an ungodly world, persevering like survivor, how are you doing? Well, some of you have nailed it, huh? If I can use a pun. But some of you, your lives are looking more like keeping up with the Kardashians, or naked and afraid right now. Well, thank God, Jesus is almighty in the present, fulfilling his current role. He is all, our almighty intercessor right now. Remember we talked about it? He is praying for us so that we can get better. And how many of you know Jesus' prayers get answered, right? So we're in this season, we're trying, as the church, we're, we're working on but we have an almighty Jesus in the present who is interceding for us. He is also our almighty mediator. He is taking our needs and our petitions 
before the Lord, and he's mediating on our behalf. He is also our almighty advocate. He is arguing our case against the accuser of the brethren because the devil is constantly standing before God accusing you of the things that you have done, are doing, or maybe he's just accusing you. And he's got the proof, and he, but he's providing it. Well, Jesus comes up. He is our almighty defender and defends us and says, my blood has covered their sins, and they are not guilty. Amen. That's what he's doing in the present. He is also, well, we learned last week, our almighty shepherd, who is leading and guiding and providing and protecting. Guys, he is our, and now we're, we learned, he is our, also we learned, he's our almighty architect. Here's what he's doing. Jesus is making heaven beautiful for us so we can spend eternity with him. In fact, Jesus said it like this in John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. All right. Jesus is telling this family of believers, this church, he's saying, listen, I'm I'm going to go make a place for you. And did you catch it? Not only did Jesus, as an almighty architect, say he would be working on our eternal home, but he promised to come and take us away to be with him. It's an event called this. Everybody say it. The rapture, which means the catching away. And everybody go, all right. So that's what Jesus promises. Now, when talking about this event, Jesus said that we should be prepared because this event could happen at any time. You know, he said to the church that he's building, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you at home, and then I'm going to, when I'm done, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to be myself with me forever. I'm going to catch you away. And Jesus went on to talk about that this event, that we need to be prepared for it. Because it could happen at any time. Look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. He said, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wow. Everybody say, wow. Nobody knows. So be prepared. So as Jesus right now in the present performs all his other duties in heaven for us, like interceding and mediating and shepherding and preparing a home for us, Jesus is also waiting for the Father to say, it's time, bring the family home. He's waiting. He's doing all these things for us on our behalf, as busy as he is, but he's got one eye on the Father constantly waiting to hear for God to say, bring the family home, right? 
Now, Jesus used an interesting illustration in relation to this. Let's read it, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1. Here's what he said, Jesus teaching. He said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Hey, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and then the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Wow. Now, what a story. Jesus on this kind of gives us that illustration of what it's going to be like. Like this groom coming for his bride. And he explains it. Listen, weddings in that culture are very different than those of ours. The way that it would happen is a gentleman would come to, you know, the girl's father, and he would formally ask the young lady's hand in marriage. And then the father and that guy would have, they would agree on something. They would, an agreement would be struck, a dowry for the girl, depending upon, you know, how much the father felt she was worth. She's a good cook. She, you know, she's, she's, she's very pretty. She's very attractive. Uh, you know, a lot of things. And so they strike this deal. Maybe it was a few chickens. Maybe it was a milk goat. Maybe it was a goose. Maybe it was a few pretty rocks. I mean, whatever. It just depends. But they'd strike this agreement. After the agreement was struck and made, then the young couple, the, both the guy and the girl that he's asking the hand for, they would get busy. Everybody said, I would what? They would get busy. The young lady would gather her bridesmaids and they would begin immediately preparing for the wedding day. And the day that the groom would come and take her away to his father's house. She'd start preparing for that. The young man would leave and get busy adding a room to his father's house for him to bring his bride to. Interesting. See, it's no coincidence that Jesus said he was going to prepare a place for us and then come back and get us. When the young man was done preparing the place, then he would return unannounced to get his bride. And the way it would happen is that he and his groomsmen would start at the furthest side of town. And the best men would begin to announce the groom's advancement. The groom is coming. They'd walk in front of him. They have these lanterns. They're walking in front of him. The groom is walking behind. And they would say, the groom is coming. The groom is coming. As the groom and his groom men walk to the bride's home, people from the community would come out into the street 
and join the procession with a lamp and a gift in hand. Whenever, you know, they're, they're, they've been waiting for this, this to happen, so they bring their lamp out, they bring a gift, and they start following the procession. And the procession would go all the way up to the bride's house. And guys, now the groom finally arrived close to the bride's home. He wouldn't step on the property, but from a distance would call out to his bride with a shout. Ha! Interesting. She, the bride, would come out fully prepared. Because there's already a rumor. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. So she'd get ready and she'd come out fully prepared, dressed, veiled, perfumed, and pretty, surrounded by her bridesmaids holding lamps to illuminate her. The procession would continue to his father's house. He'd say, let's go. As she came out, he would take her to his, his house because he built a room there. And the celebration would begin. There would be a marriage supper. So when Jesus told this story about five wise bridemaids and five foolish bridemaids, he was emphasizing that we should be like the wise bridesmaids who were prepared for the groom's coming. We should be, this is the word, everybody say it, rapture ready. We should be ready for the catching away because that's what Jesus was actually illustrating. Now guys, the wedding illustration got the point across when Jesus gave it. But so that there would be no other doubts, Jesus revealed even more details about the rapture to the apostle Paul. And he shared it with us. So here are those details about this event called the rapture or the catching away. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, here is what the Lord gave Paul. He said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, that's interesting, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, there's the word rapture, together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, the Lord showed Paul this and he wrote it to us. Verse 23 says this, But there is an order to this resurrection or this catching away. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And then jump down to verse 51 and here's what it says because um, it's already told us what it's talking about. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. As we cling to the Thank you for joining us here as Pastor Dion Cordova has brought you The Simple Truth. In this series, Pastor Dion has been exploring the foundations of the Christian faith. What is it that makes us who we are? What separates us from the rest of the world? Jesus made it pretty clear when he was talking to his disciples in John 13, 35, saying, By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. <laughs> that might be a foundational truth, but it's not an easy one. 
Consider the disciples. They all came from different walks of life. Jesus brought together a zealot and a tax collector who were quite simply enemies. Then he told them to love each other. What does that look like in your life? Do you know that love is to be your defining characteristic? That means wherever you are, whatever church you walk into, no matter if they look differently or do things differently, love is what you're called to do. If you're looking for a community dedicated to that principle, come and see us. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. We have services Sunday mornings at 9 or 11. And if you'd like to jump into a Bible study with us midweek, come by this Wednesday evening at 7. We'd love to have you. All this information and more can be found at tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. Head on over there now and check it out. We're at the end of our time today, but we hope to see you again when we come back with The Simple Truth. So let us join our hands and together we stand together.